back to another episode of Sisterly. You're here with your co-hosts, Rebecca and Olivia, and we are so happy to be back with you this week. Yeah, so happy to be back on another episode the same week, or not the same week, but the following week after a previous episode. As scheduled. (laughs) As scheduled. Feeling all right, which we love. (laughs) No new sicknesses to report. Um, We're so happy to be back. Uh, On today's episode, we're actually going to be covering a, I was going to be a fun and exciting topic. I mean, it is like we're excited to talk about it, but we're going to be chatting about both Rebecca and I's relationship with alcohol, which I think will be really interesting to chit chat about. But yeah, so in case we can give a quick preview, but in case you didn't know, Rebecca does not drink. I do. And we just thought it could be an interesting topic to kind of just chat about how that happened for both of us and our relationship with alcohol um, and how we kind of navigate it as adults. Um, And before that, we'll just do a little life update, life recap. Yeah. So this weekend, um, what did I do? I did a bunch of like wedding related activities. So I had to like meet with the florist and my like different vendors um, for the wedding reception and like picking out different things like for decorating the venue um, and yeah, all, all the different flower stuff. So that was like kind of exciting and like made it feel a bit more real, but it's also weird sometimes to realize how many small decisions there are to make, like different colors for things, different fabric textures. (laughs) Like there's so many different options and combinations of things. And you have to think about like, how does it all look together? And um, so it's very fun and like can kind of be a bit creative, but can also get very quickly overwhelming when there's just so many options available. So, um, but did that and I had to work a bit today and what else? Um, oh, I have started taking ice skating lessons. Um, so I did that today, um, which as I ex- described to Olivia was terrifying, um, but good. <laughs> but rewarding. And, but rewarding, hopefully. Um, I Probably obvious, but I, I don't know how to ice skate. Neither um, do I in case those were wondering. <laughs> but I've always wanted to be able to. And I've always dreamed of like just one day being capable of going to an ice skating rink and just skating around in a circle like everybody else. Um, So I decided that no time like the present. Um, So I'm taking a few ice skating lessons. Today was the first one. Um, It was – I was so, so scared. (laughs) And I knew that I was going to be because anytime I've ever had to go ice skating, which has been like maybe a handful of times in my entire life, I have similarly felt – terrified um that I'm gonna just fall and I feel embarrassed and I feel just so precarious like I'm just gonna teeter over at any moment (laughs) um and then yeah I just feel all this like embarrassment for being so slow and for other people being so much better at it and embarrassed that I feel so scared um but we got through class one, um, shuffling along on the ice. I didn't fall, although it would have been fine if I did, but I was just kind of surprised that I didn't fall on my face or my butt. Um, so we'll see TBD on how it continues, but the goal is to be able to skate forwards and go around in a circle. So uh, hopefully I can achieve that after the end of my classes. (laughs) 
Well, I'm very proud of you. Um, Neither Rebecca or I have ever been able to ice skate. I've also attempted many times to ice skate. I think I mentioned on the podcast a couple weeks ago that I tried to roller skate and that did not go very well. Like, we're just not skaters um, and natural born skaters. So I think it's great that you're learning. It's inspired me for sure. Yeah, I just felt like the older I get, the harder I feel like it's going to get be to get over the fear of doing it. So I'm like, I might as well just try now. And I just also have this vision of if I have kids, you know, one day want to ice skate, like I don't want them to be like, let's go ice skating. And I have to just like watch them do totally. it. I want to be able to do it with them. So hoping that I can get there. By the end of the first class, I still was terrible, um, but was slightly less afraid and was slightly less like panicked like it was still going very slowly and very um embarrassingly but i felt like i'm not going to fall every 5 seconds and i wasn't like heart in my chest racing like i'm about to burst into tears cuz i'm so embarrassed so that felt like an improvement from where i started i think that's an improvement <laughs> From thinking we're going to have a meltdown to not having a meltdown. Like, I think that's. Yeah, that's that great. was growth. So, that's growth. <laughs> that's what we look for, honestly. Yeah, I felt like I evolved in 45 minutes and. Um, <laughs> a new woman at the end. Yeah. And as I mentioned, you know, in our episode last week, like, we have tendencies of perfectionism and striving for that. And I find it really hard to try things that I'm not good at. And this I am very much not good at. So I was very scared to look stupid or be embarrassed or be the worst one there. And I was, in fact, the worst one there. But I didn't die. So, you know, it's it's it went okay. I'll be back I next week. You. I love it for you. Yeah, can't wait to keep up with your skating journey. Um, <laughs> maybe we could even get like a little video at the end. At the end of – Yeah, maybe at the end once I'm yeah. like – slightly less mortifying um then i can show you video proof of, of what i can't I've wait can't wait um i had a pretty chill weekend yesterday did a lot of rest and relaxation i finished a book which was lovely um it was a book called the things we never got over a romance book a classic for me um so loved it it was one of those books where i won't get too deep into my reading i can do that we can do a little book recap at the end of the year where I can really dive in but it wasn't like the best book I've ever read but it made me feel kind of cozy I don't know like it was just mm. one of those books where I just I enjoyed being in the world of the book and yeah so I just spent most of my day reading yesterday like at the beginning of reading yesterday I was on page like 80 or 90 and I finished the like 550 page book by the end of the day <laughs> um it was just like a very easy read so that was really nice and I just like I also am very obsessed with having the mood being right when I'm reading so I like had some oh, candles on had the right yes. lighting on it was very nice so just did that and then today Jack and I went to this winery that I'm a member at <laughs> shout out to my wine <laughs> membership and um they were having like a little party for members picking up their wine so we went and picked up wine and had some like pasta and drink a lot of wine and some Aperol spritzes and then came back and have just been chatting with Rebecca ever since so it was a nice quiet weekend very much That's enjoyed lovely. that. 
I'm probably going to start another romance book tonight because whenever I finish a book that's all about like love, I get very sad when it's over because then I'm like, yeah, you got to jump right into a new one. I have to. I just have to. So I think we're going to start another book tonight. We'll keep everyone posted on how that goes. But (laughs) I am officially now on book 30 of 30 of my reading journey this year. Oh my god. So if I can just finish this book by the end of the year, which I have confidence in myself about, I uh yeah, we'll hit our goal. So we love that. We love a little goal achieved. Um so impressive. Thank you. It was my goal for the year. I feel like it really helped. My goal was also mainly to start reading at night before bed because mm-hmm. I get very anxious before bed and I didn't have the best pre-bed routine like I would normally watch tv right up until going to sleep or be on my phone right up until going to sleep and I mean sometimes I'm still not great about it but I've been trying to pretty much read every night before I go to bed and that has just helped me a lot with kind of winding down and it's now something I look forward to because it's like part of my routine um mm-hmm. I've been so trying to do like- that too because you inspired me too <laughs> Thanks. I'm so glad to inspire. You're an, you're an inspiration. But I do feel like it really helps. Like it's like especially if you're into the book, it's like exciting now to get into bed to start reading my book. Totally. I like want to catch up to the next part. But then I like read it and I can feel myself start to get tired and then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just gonna go to bed now rather than like scroll yeah. Twitter for or scroll TikTok for an hour. And it's kind of just like it's very relaxing. Also, speaking of Twitter rip <laughs> Twitter. Oh my god, yeah. See you later. This is not a political podcast, so we won't get too deep into uh, the politics of Elon Musk. I mean, I guess it's not that political, but it feels kind of political. I don't know. Elon Musk feels political. Yeah. But anywho, rip Twitter. <laughs> it's not going so yeah. hot. I feel like I haven't been like super active on Twitter in a long time, except for like sometimes when like I watch a show. I like to go on yeah, Twitter yeah. to see like what the live reactions are, like for like the Handmaid's finale. I looked at it or I look at it for like 100%. Bachelor in Paradise or whatever. But now I'm just like, oh, can I I don't think I can support this platform. I'll just I'll just keep it to TikTok. Totally. Also, speaking of live reactions to things, um, Rebecca and I have both been watching Love is Blind. Yes. And the connection that I'm making here is that there have been a lot of like reaction videos, comments, like because I'm mainly on TikTok now for my like reactions to TV shows. And there have been a lot of comments that people have made on the internet about this season that I just like strongly disagree with or find very problematic. And I'm just surprised because I feel like normally I agree with a lot of the girlies and everyone, not just the girlies, everyone on TikTok when they make comments. And this time I just don't. Like I just don't agree. And I'm like, is am I the problem? <laughs> is it me? Um but Rebecca hasn't finished yet, so we won't get into all the yeah, details. Yeah, I haven't seen – I've seen most of the, like, wedding episode, but not all of it. And then I haven't seen the reunion, so I don't know where things stand currently. But I did get through most of the weddings. So this is a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen Love is – like, the end of Love is Blind, if you intend to watch. We're about to, like, chit-chat a little bit about it. Yeah, but, so just, like, skip over a few minutes. Yeah, I just got to the part where um, Cole and Zeneb had their wedding and um, 
she like got up there and and like they said some things and then she was basically like said she couldn't get married to him because he has insulted her destroyed her confidence like she's not the person that he is looking for as much as she would like to be and I didn't even realize this because I've been avoiding social media because I hadn't finished the show and I'm behind so I didn't want to get any spoilers but then Olivia told me that people online are like very harsh team Cole yeah everyone's like team Cole and I find that confusing to say Everyone's being very harsh to Zeneb. I also think, too, there are some things that will transpire in the reunion, Rebecca, that I will not speak to. Yeah, I to. haven't gotten there. So, yeah. But I don't even think – I personally don't think that the things that happened in the reunion negate anything that happened in the show. I right. found him incredibly problematic. I found him very insulting of her. I get that people were like, oh, my God, she's such a nag, yada, yada. Like – I get that. I'm not saying she's a perfect human, but I'm saying that I think that this man did some incredibly damaging things to her that the internet is choosing to forget about. And yeah. I do understand that there's this argument like she was like, Cole, you single-handedly ruined my confidence. And people are like, you can't blame one person for your confidence like going away. And I'm like, I do understand that. Of course, there are other things in her life that have probably yeah contributed but if you have someone that you love bashing you day in and day out about your appearance or about how other people are better than you, you like yeah I don't especially at the beginning of their relationship like I don't care right. what people are saying like that's incredibly damaging and disrespectful and I think he was super disrespectful yeah. of their relationship I don't know why people think that he's like God's gift. I think he sucks personally. Um, I think that she did get a little like high and mighty in some instances yeah. where she was like, I'm so much better than you. And I get that that comes across poorly, but I think she was very hurt and she probably was like, I'm on national TV. Like, let's get. I think she wanted to like gain back some power honestly because i feel like she took yeah he she felt like he took it away from her and she wanted she to felt, get some yeah. of it back so she made a little bit of a dramatic moment and like i think people can disagree or agree with that whatever they want but like the things that people are saying it's kind of crazy also i find cole to be incredibly rude to people with mental health after accusing her of yeah. being bipolar He's like yeah also and in a very that, negative like, way Exactly. Like the implication when he said that wasn't that wasn't like a genuine question of like, do you have this? Right. Like he was like trying to insult her and also people with bipolar. He was calling her crazy. Like was, and yeah, people with yeah. bipolar disorder are not crazy. And it was, I thought, incredibly offensive to it was offensive to her that he was trying to accuse her of being like unstable and then also offensive to offensive the bipolar to community. Bipolar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At yeah. the same time. And I also feel like I get that people could be like, oh, she like, you know, nagged him a lot or whatever, or nagged him about cleaning and stuff. But I also feel like a lot of that to me felt like a defensive mechanism after she felt put down by him. She just sort of got a bit more guarded, defensive, and like a little bit sarcastic with him. And I think 
I, I don't know. I don't feel like she would have done that had he not been sort of more open and like not had made her feel so small in the beginning. Like I felt like she yeah. just kind of reacted a bit when doing all of that stuff. And yeah, I don't know. And I just I remember even things he was saying when they were back still in the pods. I was like, what is what is this guy's I also found him thing. to say like things that I would consider microaggressions toward her yeah. about her like ethnicity and culture. He made comments about like, well, I knew you weren't gonna look like the girls I normally normally go for because of your name and like stuff like that that I just found inappropriate. Yeah. I found rude. Um I just yeah, I think like she's so stunning. And I thought like when I heard her talk in the beginning and stuff, especially, I was like, she seems really great and like a genuine person and like has overcome a lot of things and like a sweet person. Yeah, like both of so, her parents died when she was very young. Like most of her family doesn't even live in the US. It sounds like most of them are in London and like yeah. or the UK. I just I it's not even for me like a oh, I'm so team. Zenob, it's just like I don't understand why the internet is attacking her. I find, I mean, the internet's like an insane place. Like, yeah, I talk about this all the time. How I'm on like happy TikTok, like I'm on like dog TikTok and like book talk, and yeah, very positive, and I like to keep it that way. Yeah, but like there are some places on TikTok, on Instagram that are just so deeply disrespectful and cruel. I also think. Another telltale sign of the situation is that every single woman on Love is Blind has spoken out about how they like stand with her and how there was a lot of things that weren't seen about how Cole treated her and all of this. And everyone's just like, oh, she sucks because she nagged him about his towels. I'm like, I can't. Right. And she also said- Nagging about towels to like making someone feel small about like their whole self. Totally. And she also said on the show multiple times, which you haven't might not have seen this yet, Rebecca, but it's not a spoiler, that like she doesn't think he's a bad person. Like she w- wishes him the best, like all of this. And yeah. people are like, oh my God, she's horrible. And I'm like, I just don't have time for this. Like people don't make any sense to me. Like I just, I think if roles were reversed, if she would, like if, I don't know, if she was the man, like, people wouldn't be treating her this way I don't know I just also even like Brennan has said stuff about how the way Cole treated her wasn't okay like it truly seems yeah. like the only person on his side is Bartise and I'm like is that the people like, yeah, are those two that the you want to stand character behind? witness we really need I don't <laughs> know about like, that yeah also in the episode before when like she's like hanging out with all the girls like all the girls seem to really like her and like yes. they were all kind of like you're better like you you deserve better than this so I don't understand the slander. I haven't got like I haven't looked at it yet because I still haven't seen the reunion. But my impression from at least this point in the show is I'm just like I don't really get why people would be so quick to defend Cole. Like I'm not saying he's like horrible or evil. Like there's been worse people on the show. Like last season, um, Shake yeah, was definitely Shake, yeah. Can't even. <laughs> way worse. No However, one's worse than Shake. <laughs> like I don't think that this guy has got some sort of squeaky clean perfect image like I think he did some damaging things and I don't really think she did anything unforgivable so don't understand that but I also want to quickly talk about 
Cole or not Cole, sorry, Colleen and Matt. I know you haven't seen what happened, mm. so I'm not going to like give mm-hmm. anything away. But once again, the internet is really, really diving into this idea that Matt is abusive and yeah. like as a person. And there were definitely some things in the show that he did that I did not like. I don't think his reactions were appropriate. I think he was quick to anger. But I just think it's very interesting that the internet, like there are these TikTok videos, like breaking down like moment by moment interactions they had and like how what he's doing is abusive behavior or like the signs of an abuser and like things that she's doing are like the signs of someone who's been abused. And I just, of course, if like that's what's going on of course you don't want that and like you want her to seek help but I also think once again it's incredibly damaging that these people not just for Matt's purposes like but also for Colleen's that people are like nope she's being abused like this is what's happening like this is the situation I'm breaking down every single I'm like I'm sorry TikTok people when did you become like the resident expert on like people um, like faces and mannerisms like I don't know I just find it very interesting that the internet decides like people on the internet decide that they are the resident experts on what's going on a, on a reality tv show yeah people I feel like feel a little bit too entitled and like too expert about things that they don't know about yeah <laughs> and I'm like you feel like you know you and I have our takes on things and like people can have their opinions but things that are like super serious or that could really hurt or damage someone I'm just like I don't really like think about that before you just decide to post all about it on the internet and like right. make this a whole thing also once again I'm not saying this in like in the worst case scenario like of him actually being an abuser I'm not like oh my god protect this man I'm also right, like of course not. if this is what's happening do you really think that the best situation is for you to like go on the internet and like break it down and like I don't know I just yeah it, it doesn't not super productive no it feels really weird and I just um yeah I don't know I don't love that I don't once again not the biggest Matt Stan over here like I do wouldn't pick them for me. Um, wouldn't pick them for my friends. Like, not saying that. I just, I don't know. I, and I saw this is sorry off topic of Love Is Blind, but I saw it once again with the Selena Gomez documentary. Like, people, did you watch that? Yes, people like going in and picking apart the most niche things from like like people saying like her friend Rochelle is horrible because she like was mad at her for one second. I'm like, I'm sorry, have you never seen a friendship before? Like, have you never seen a friend be annoyed yeah. with another friend? People are really coming in the Insta or in the TikTok comments for Raquel and saying that she's like toxic. Oh yeah, Raquel, did I say Rochelle? Apologies, yeah, I, I Raquel. Think it's Raquel <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I left that documentary with like a lot of mixed feelings about things and also just like I found it interesting but I also found it sad and I also felt like I didn't and I'm like not like a harsh critic or anything but I just I didn't feel like the documentary necessarily showed what I thought it was gonna show or what I hoped it was maybe gonna show which like they talked about Selena like having um, bipolar but like or being bipolar but they didn't actually talk about what she does to treat it and they didn't really yeah. talk about like 
her journey so much with it after she got the diagnosis. And I kind of thought that was going to be more of what it was like about. Like, I think it showed like the struggle of like her ups and downs and like emotions and trying to figure out her purpose and like dealing with media stuff and all that. But I don't know. I feel like it just like showed different things that I thought it was going to show. I heard, I'm not sure if this is true, but I heard that a week before it went live on Apple that she cut an hour of it. And really? Yes. Because it was kind of short. It was like an hour and a half. That makes a lot of sense to me because I I actually stopped watching the last four minutes because I got like a phone call. Anywho, unless something crazy happened in the last four minutes that I missed, I felt like it felt very unfinished and also like kind of all over the place. Like I I actually felt from like around a, a lot. I felt like from a storytelling film perspective, once again, not an expert in film, but like, yeah, but it was not done. Like, I really didn't. It was not linear, but no, it had to be linear, but it didn't have a logical flow of like, no, the time of like what's happening, like, or like a through line, clear story of like why we're jumping from thing to thing. Like when she was in Kenya for a while, like, and then we're back in Texas. Right. Like it's just – it was kind of like all over the place and yeah, I was a little bit con- confused. And I, I also like yeah. kept having like warring thoughts on her friend Raquel. I was like, is her friend like pushing her a bit on things or is her friend like calling her out when she's doing things that are maybe not the best or when she's like not kind of seeing straight? It was just like – hard to understand that yeah. dynamic. I just didn't I honestly didn't think it was a great movie. And I like Selena Gomez. I Me too. I'm, I'm very passionate about her like foundation for mental health. I think she stands I love for her a lot of really rare great beauty. Like beauty, big fan of that. Love what um, it stands for. Like love her, love her tunes, like have loved her since I was a kid. But yeah, I was just yeah. kind of like confused. Didn't think it was a good movie, to be honest. I also, like, I get that they were like, oh, we've been filming for so long. We should show the stuff from 2016. I was like, okay, that makes sense. I thought the whole thing in Kenya was weird. It felt, like Rebecca has said on the podcast before, a little bit of a colonizer energy. Like, (laughs) I understand that that trip was really impactful for her, but I was also like, was it impactful for them? Right. Like, Like, this isn't (laughs) – I'm like, do we really need to see, like, another – white person like finding themselves and like a in a country where they're like oh look at how much I'm doing for these people who are suffering I'm like are they suffering like once again I'm like what is the perspective here like why are we once again right. making an African country seem like it doesn't have its stuff together like what is the truth here it feels like this is from a, a white American's perspective whatever like I just I was like yeah. why are we seeing this again I thought that was unnecessary and I think like, I, I thought it actually was really interesting when she had that little breakdown when she was, like, going through all of the press. And it was, once again, people were asking her questions. And it's like, no one actually cares what your answers are. I thought that was actually interesting because I was yeah. like, this is what you don't see, how, like, these are humans, too. And we kind of treat them like zoo animals. And, like, yeah I 
I just, I thought it was all over the place. I would have loved to see more about her makeup line, honestly, because I think that actually has been good for her. I would have liked to see more about what she does with her foundation. Like you said, I would like to see more about how she deals with being bipolar. I would have liked to see more about her journey with lupus because I think that takes a toll on mental health too. Yeah, they only showed like small clips of the stuff about lupus, which I feel like you know, if she doesn't want to show that, she doesn't want to show that. But I also felt like that is like such a big thing that she's had to deal with and struggle with and that people don't know a lot about. And I feel like that would have been so interesting. I definitely wanted to know more about her foundation and like that she has with her mom. And her mom was in it for like two seconds. Two seconds. And, and it made like, it seem like her mom's not in her life. And I don't think that's true. Yeah. Like they have a business together. Like I feel like they're very much on good terms. Like it sounds like they had a rough time when she had like kind of a mental break, but like then her mom was there after the fact and like has really been there for her. But like she wasn't shown at all. Her sister wasn't shown, which like, you know, that's fine if it's like a yeah, choice she's like to be a kid. like, I get she's that. little, but but yeah, I was just surprised at the things they didn't show and then kind of surprised at like the random choices that they did show. I was like, cool, so. now everyone's going to hate Raquel. Like, <laughs> is that the point right. of this movie? And like on- the only things people are talking about on the internet are the Raquel drama and the drama with, with her ex-friend Francia about the kidney. And I'm like, yeah. I also feel bad for Selena Gomez because I don't think that was her intent at all with this movie. I think the intent right. was to talk about mental health and I just – don't think that whoever did the movie, honestly, did a great job at that. And I also think, like, I'm like, editors, what the heck? Like, yeah. what is or this? It's like, you had six years of footage. Like, I'm confused. And like, yeah. if, like, if they really did cut an hour of it, like, did Selena get the choice to cut that? Like, and like, if so, why did they let her cut that if it like cut yeah. out like the whole th- I don't know. Yeah. So I was just, I was, com- I was left kind of like, huh, afterwards. Cause it's not like I, it wasn't like I hated this, but I just I left one like I was like I don't feel like I got enough. I don't feel, feel like, like it's finished episode. <laughs> like, right? I was like, where's the rest just... of this series? Like, I don't feel like I yeah had an an ending. And not that they're supposed to, like not that it needed to be like tied up with a bow or a happy ending, but it just felt like we never got deep enough into yeah. the things I thought they were going to talk about. So I totally agree. So a bummer, especially because I was really looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like not to, like, do a comparison, but, like, Taylor Swift's documentary, which is obviously not, you know, as much about, like, mental health or her physical health, but I thought was, like, really interesting and, like, showed us a totally different side of her, like, dove deep into a lot of things that no one knew anything about, and I felt like there was, like, a story there, like, didn't jump around too much, and at the end, I felt like, wow, I feel like I really learned more about her and, like, things I didn't yeah. know about her life. I completely um, agree. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like it actually did a better job of talking about her mental health and yeah. like, struggles with like eating disorder stuff right, than image. this movie did. Yeah, agreed. And like that I, wasn't even central necessarily to her whole documentary, but I felt like I got more of it from that. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't tell what, like, the main storyline was. Truly liked the Jonas Brothers documentary more. Like, I just – I <laughs> actually really like watching, like, famous people's documentaries. Like, I find them so uh, fascinating. J-Lo's I watched, documentary? Like, loved it. Yeah, I, I watched it J-Lo's. Great. I watched Shawn Mendes. I watched Ariana Grande. I watched Billie Eilish's. Like, I love them. Yeah, I just – honestly, a, a bummer. I almost feel like the team that she worked with, like – maybe did a little bit of a disservice in the editing that they did. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I left that documentary feeling not confident that she has the best people around her. 
I agree. And there's also all these rumors that she's now like no longer friends with a lot of the people in the movie. Yeah, that's sad. And I'm like, what's that about? So uh, I don't know. I just feel sad. And like I, I feel like the overall feeling I got was like that she lives up uh, – her life feels very lonely yeah. and like tough. And that made me feel really sad. Listen, Selena Gomez, if you need someone new in your crew, just like hit me up. Yeah. Hit us up. <laughs> we would like, be great influences. <laughs> we we love what you're about. We love your makeup line. Like happy to be friends. <laughs> Big fan of the makeup line. Love your mascara. <laughs> Highly recommend that blush to all of our listeners. Lasts all day. The blush, mm, her her uh bronzing stick, love it. <laughs> Big fan. So <laughs> And I was like, I was yeah, I really thought she was gonna talk about the makeup line, especially because of like the packaging for the makeup line is like so cute, but also it's like it's literally was created to make it easier for people with certain like conditions that make them have like shaky yeah. hands or hard to hold things. Like I thought they were going to touch on all that because I was like, that's so cool. And I don't think enough people know about all the things she's done with her makeup line to help people with both mental health but issues, but also physical disabilities to make her totally. packaging like more accessible. I'm like, why don't we talk about that? Like, and all the names of her products are these like joyful words to try yeah. and like make people happy. And they talked about Rare the album. And I'm like, why aren't we talking about Rare the makeup line? I know, this <laughs> booming like, business that everyone should be buying because it's great yeah. stuff as well. Yeah. So, and something she seems to be passionate about. So, anywho, I could really, I keep talking about this. But it's I know, we'll the have to cut point. off because <laughs> no one probably off. cares about this. But I yeah. had a lot of thoughts clearly after watching this documentary. Yeah. And I'm glad that you were aligned because, once again, sometimes you go on the internet and I'm like, am I the only one with these opinions? Right. Am I the problem? <laughs> Everyone me? else is like, oh, incredible movie. And I'm like, was it? So, yeah. like, same thing with Love is Blind. Everyone's like, oh, here's the universal opinion. And I'm like, is this what we believe? I just don't agree. Yeah. I don't agree. So, anywho. Wait, one more pop culture thing not related <laughs> to the Selena Gomez documentary. And then I swear we'll get into our topic. But I, I went on Netflix because I was watching Love is Blind. And there's like a bunch of new things on there that I really want to see. And I just have to oh. note that one of them is the new Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie. Oh, that's I can't just, wait. I am so ready to watch this. I'm so ready for whatever her comeback is. Like, I'm here for it. I hope she's thriving. Like, I'm prepared to enjoy like a rom-com with Lindsay Lohan and like pretend like it's 2002. Like, I'm here yeah. for it. <laughs> I couldn't be more ready to watch this film. Um, I think I'm going to watch it next weekend because I'm going to put away all my fall decorations and take out my holiday ones next weekend. Yes. Um, yeah, truly can't wait. I'm gonna sit down with like a hot chocolate and a glass of red wine and just like go to town on this movie. Um Yeah, I'm stoked. Stoked for her. She was on was it Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon? I can't I can't keep them straight, honestly. <laughs> Talking about how Jamie Lee Curtis reached out to her about a freaky Friday too. Oh and God. I was like, I couldn't be more here for it. There's nothing else I want more in this world than a Freaky Friday too. And I'm sure it'll be horrible and I don't care. I'm ready. Right. I won't care. I just – I want like Lindsay Lohan to be well. Like I just like hope that she's like doing well mentally, physically in her life. Like I just yeah. feel – Emotionally, spiritually, after, all the way. Like I just hope she's thriving. And I just feel like after seeing all these documentaries and things about like – and like, you know, people's posts about just like all the things that they endure, all of these like child stars who I just like idolized, who like clearly have so much going on, like Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, Lindsay Lohan, like all of these like big stars that had to like Britney Spears had to deal with all this crazy, crazy stuff. And I'm just like, oh, I just want them all to make it and be okay. And I feel so sad that things were so hard for them. And like for Lindsay Lohan, I feel like it was very like kind of like 
Britney Spears just like really hard. People were really hard on her and she like dealt with a lot of stuff. And I just hope that she's in a new era and I'm, I'm here to support it. Okay. So finally getting to our topic. Um, after a, to, a brief aside. <laughs> after an abundance of pop culture discussion. Our topic today is on alcohol and our relationships with it. Um, so to jump right in, I guess I'll sort of provide some of my background with it. Um, so I never drank alcohol in high school. Um, I did not go to parties. <laughs> there was truly no opportunities for me to be drinking because I just was not cool enough to be That's in a situation. I was just not cool enough. But I just like wasn't in situations where that wouldn't really have come up. But I was also not rebellious enough to like really test those limits or like seek it out or anything of that nature. So I, I wasn't honestly even that curious about it in high school. I just was like minding my own business, like going to see Twilight movies, like <laughs> reading books. Like I just <laughs> was not engaged in it. Um, but then I got to college and I felt like, okay, I should probably – try this out or just like try a, some form of alcohol. See I've never what done like it. all the hubbub is about. See what the hullabaloo is about. <laughs> and, um, and, but I was definitely wary of it. Um, and I think there were sort of like three main things that made me hesitant about alcohol in general. Like I, even when I got to college, I wasn't like, let me jump right into this. Cause I was wary. And, I think there's sort of three reasons why. Um, one is that, as I have mentioned previously, I have anxiety. <laughs> I am um, anxious and I don't like feeling out of control. Um, and so I think I was very wary about alcohol impacting my judgment or my ability to control myself or have a control over my faculties or a situation. So that was definitely one reason. Um, another semi-related reason, but a little bit different, um, which I don't think I've addressed on the podcast before. I don't know if it's come up, but I have a serious fear of throwing up. Um, not just for myself, but other people doing it. I can't even really handle watching it happen in movies. I've gotten better on that front. I used to really like, I'd have to like close my eyes. Um, I've gotten better, <laughs> but like I... Um, unfortunately I'm like not the friend who can like hold your hair back while you're throwing up because it's like, I have a true deep fear of it. And it's not just like, Oh, like I'm like kind of squeamish. Like if you throw up, like I feel a little not, it's like, no, like I, I literally feel fear, like fear that like propels me to leave the room or like run away. Um, and I've talked to my therapist about this and she said, it's like pretty, not that uncommon for people who have anxiety or people who had anxiety as a child to have that manifest in a fear of throwing up, again, related to lack of control um, stuff. So that kind of added into the mix of like, in my mind, I was like, alcohol can potentially make you throw up. That scares me. It can also make other people throw up. That scares me. It can also make other people out of control. And that scares me as well. So... <laughs> Lots fear, of fear, 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 <laughs> fear, 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 fear all around. And um, 
yeah. So I could go on and on about my uh, fear of throwing up, but uh, that's not today's topic. Um, and <laughs> then, a whole episode about the fear of throwing up. Yeah. It's apparently like I've literally like learned so much about it in like the past few years, but it's there's literally – it's There's like a name for it. It's called like emetophobia or uh, it's either emetophobia or emetophobia. I don't know. I've never heard it said out loud, but it's a legitimate phobia and like a lot of people – who I also follow on like social media have it as well. And I was like, oh, okay. It's not just like me being like, it, it is no, me. It's totally weird. normal. Like a legitimate thing that people have. People have phobias of like so many random things. Like people have like the phobia of small holes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a phobia where people are afraid of like stickers. Yeah. I actually know several people who have like a real thing against stickers. Really? Yes. I've never met a person who has a fear. Anyway. Tangent, you know someone. But... I'll tell you later. <laughs> okay. Tell me about it later. Um, but yeah, so that factored into it. And then the third thing is that we do have some family members who have had um, issues with alcohol. And so that was in the back of my mind as well. Um, so all of that led me to be very hesitant, curious, but not too interested. Um, and so then when <laughs> I got to college, I was like, okay, let me like see what alcohol is about. And I did in moderation try like probably every type of alcohol at some point. I tried beer, wine, tequila, vodka, gin, champagne, you know, you name it. (laughs) I tried something. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So I I tried pretty much every kind of alcohol at some point, not actually in excess. Like I, I pretty much got through all of college without ever being drunk. And the reason for that is, um, one, I discovered I didn't like the taste of any of them. <laughs> and two, Fair. it actually super upset my stomach. Um, one thing about me <laughs> that <laughs> maybe also hasn't been discussed on this podcast, and we don't need to go into too much depth because it could be TMI, but one thing about me is I've got fun stomach issues <laughs> and just just hot girl stomach problems. <laughs> and um, so – uh, it's hard to know if it's the alcohol doesn't just sit well with my very sensitive stomach um, or if it doesn't sit well because of my fun anxiety issues. <laughs> so <laughs> hard to know if it's like physical or if there's a psychological component, but either way, doesn't sit well. And so I've just never continued drinking because it just ruins my night. <laughs> so. Yeah, I feel like you kind of stopped like midway through college. Yeah. I like I tried for like the first two years to be like, can I drink? Can I find one that I like that doesn't send my anxiety or my stomach into a spiral? And then by my junior year, I think when I I think it was when I went abroad, I just like told people when I got abroad, I was like, Oh, I don't drink. I I think I at that point in time, I literally told people I was allergic. I was like, I'm allergic to alcohol. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah, it just – it upsets my stomach so I don't drink. And then they were like, oh, okay. And they kind of just like were like, oh, you're allergic, whatever. And I just stopped in my junior year. Yeah. So fair. I would say for context with my relationship with alcohol, I do drink, which I feel like is probably pretty obvious because I talked about going wine tasting on the reg. (laughs) So it's probably pretty clear. Um, I I feel like my relationship with alcohol has been like – complex feels dramatic but just like has had its ups and its downs I started drinking my senior year of high school like a handful of times like I was definitely not drinking 
on the reg, but I was definitely very curious and I really wanted to experience being drunk. Like I really wanted to have those moments and experience that. But I was also just like going through a tough time, like emotionally and really struggling with my mental health my senior year. So I think it just wasn't the best combo of things. Um, I wasn't like, I mean, once again, I only drank like probably five times, but several of those times ended with me being like very emotional, um, which continued into college. Like when I got to college, I just wanted to do what everyone else was doing, like drank a lot. I also like could take shots and I thought that made me cool. So I would like take a lot of shots that I didn't really need to take. And (laughs) yeah, Olivia, unlike me, has a stomach of steel. So yeah, yeah. It's definitely getting weaker with age. But like back then, like, yeah, I haven't thrown up from drinking many times and I didn't at all until I was like a little bit older. Um, but but that's not great either. Like it's yeah. not great to not throw up from drinking. It just means that you're like drunk for longer. So um yeah, but I just like I wasn't in the best spot emotionally, I would say, for the first like year or so of me drinking. And so I think that created like not a great relationship because I would just like cry a lot. I would make like rash decisions. I would just I was the drama um <laughs> like I just no um sometimes I mean <laughs> on occasion <laughs> occasion I think some of my friends would agree that I was the drama um I just like didn't really know how to handle myself and I think it was just a combo of obviously being young and drinking and also just like not being in a great spot so I would say like into my sophomore year also like I would get really insecure about boy stuff and then just like drink when I was out like it just wasn't a good combo um and then I would say like I would say after like my sophomore my sophomore year was kind of fine like I was still drinking a lot with my friends but like a lot less emotional like not really it wasn't so deep for me at, at that point um but I kind of made a rule with myself just that I wasn't going to drink if I was like upset or anxious because I also deal with a lot of anxiety. So for me, it was just, not that I was necessarily using drinking to cope with those things at all, but it was just like I wouldn't realize that I was upset and then I would drink and it just like heightened those emotions. Like I just really had a hard time putting two and two together. And then once I got a little bit older, I was like, okay, like if I – am upset or I'm stressed like I just don't drink at all because I know it'll only make things worse and so I was really able to kind of just like figure things out for myself I also realized that I just didn't like other people having to take care of me I didn't like being the drama I didn't like um, I wanted to be fun and have a good time like I would say luckily my friends now know me as someone who's a good time when they drink, you know, like even if I drink a lot, it's like I'm upbeat, I'm, you know, having fun, like I'm not someone who like gets super angry or or anything like that. And I think that was pretty intentional on my behalf because I had to learn how to be that way because it it wasn't coming out the way that I wanted it to when I started drinking. And that might be the case for other people too. I don't really know. To be honest, I wasn't really paying attention to what other people were doing when I was drinking back then. Um, 
And I would say like now as I've gotten older, like I am more and more cautious, I would say, with my drinking. I mean, of course, for those of us who do drink, like everyone has their moments in which you're like, ooh, that was one too many wines. I kind of relaxed. Um, But I really don't like feeling out of control. I kind of am very sensitive now to the feeling that I'm becoming drunk and I don't like that feeling. So I, I tend to pull back these days. Um, I also like won't drink alcohol that I don't like. Like back when I started drinking, I'd be like, fine, I'll drink whatever. Like, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Just give it to me. And now it's like, no, like if I don't like a drink, I'm not going to drink it. Like there's no point in me doing that. Um, and I really hate being hungover. Like I hate it so, 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 so much. So I really try to never get to a point where like I'm going to be hungover because it's just no fun. And then I like, you know, I like to drink socially. Like if I'm at a party or if I'm with friends or whatever, like I'll probably drink more than I normally do. But on like a day to day, I would say I'm just like not a huge drinker, a wine gal. But. <laughs> yeah. It's like every so often you like your wine, your wine tastings. Totally. Like if this gives you any indication of where I'm at with alcohol, Jack for my birthday bought me one of those special tools that you can use when you open a bottle of wine that keeps it fresh for up to a month because <laughs> I kept having these situations where I just wanted a glass of wine and, and then I would ruin the bottle <laughs> and then I would waste the whole bottle. So if that gives you any indication of where I'm at on a day-to-day basis, that's it. <laughs> oh, cute. <laughs> just want a glass of wine every now and again. (laughs) Yeah. So we had like different, I feel like starts to it and like different ways that we handle it One would kindly say a different start. (laughs) And different ways we handle it now. Um, But I feel like what I always try to make clear to people is that I don't care if other people drink like I it's not like a judgment or like a oh I think I have some sort of like moral high ground for not drinking it's just like a thing that works better for me and makes me feel more in control less anxious whatnot um but I have found that like one of the challenges of not drinking is that um I think it makes other people uncomfortable sometimes um, there can be just like awkwardness at social events or I've been on dates or at work events where um, alcohol is just like typically consumed and people kind of don't know what to do when I don't want to drink. Um, you know, when I used to live in New York City, a lot of like first dates were like, let's go get drinks. And I used to feel uncomfortable being like, well, actually, I don't drink because then it would lead to a lot of questions. People would be like, mm-hmm. oh, like you don't drink at all? Like, And like they would like – there would be a lot of follow-up. It would be like, well, what kind of alcohol do you drink? You don't, you don't drink this? You don't drink this? Have you tried this? <laughs> Have you tried this? And it's like, no, no, no. Like I'm not looking for you to find me an alcohol You're drink. like, oh my gosh, you like, fixed it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like I'm not really looking for one. Um, and then – but then it would make people feel uncomfortable like, oh, like – are you on like a medication you can't drink with? Are you pregnant? Are you Tell me your medical history. <laughs> sober because you have to be and it's just like a lot of questions that would make me feel like oh I'm weird or I'm 
odd or I'm making people feel uncomfortable because I'm not doing what's kind of a social norm, which is like going out and getting a drink or many drinks. And um, I like when I younger me like didn't really know how to handle that. And I felt like, oh, I'm the problem. Um, now I don't feel like that. Um, but in the past, I would sort of like come up with a reason for why I wasn't drinking to make the other person feel better. Like I used to, I mean, my go-to would just be like, oh, I'm allergic. And I just, I mean, it wasn't, I I don't technically know if it's an allergy. I wasn't lying when I was like, oh, it it upsets my stomach. So I just don't do it because it ruins my evening, which like it does (laughs) or it did (laughs) back when I did it. Um, But people felt like, like for some reason, I felt like I owed people an explanation for why I wasn't drinking. Um, And I don't know, people just thought I was being like silly or they just like couldn't understand that I just wasn't interested in it. Um, Or people would just keep giving me suggestions for like different alcohols to try. But then I feel like I got to a certain point where people cared less about it. And I don't know if that just came with with age. Like you know, when you're in college versus when you're like 28, people aren't like at the same level of trying to get like blasted when they go out. And I think they don't (laughs) care as much that if you're not or like they're paying less attention to what you have in your hands or if you're also drunk. I think that was another thing too. I think people felt nervous sometimes that like I was just always sober. Like I would go out. Yeah, people feel judged. Like, yeah, not that that's the reality, but I think that's right. how people feel sometimes. It's like I wasn't, but I think it made people feel weird sometimes that like if they were really drunk and I'm just completely clear headed and sober because I just like I haven't been drinking and I'm like I'm still out. I'm like still at a bar or I'm still at a, in college at a frat party or whatever, but I'm just like fully with it. Um, but I think sometimes it makes people feel like I, I think I used to worry that people would think that I'm not fun or I don't yeah. want to do fun things because I'm not drinking. Yeah. I would just feel like nervous that people think that I'm like lame or awkward. And sometimes I would just get something to like hold in my hands, like a water or a Sprite or something just so I had something. Um, Yeah. Just so I looked like I was not being awkward or waiting around. But I'm, I'm also like the first person to be like, oh, I'll still go dance like I don't totally need to be drunk like I'll just go do it anyway you just have to be I think kind of okay with engaging in whatever it is people are doing and also not be drunk and like not feel weird about it well I think when we're younger we have a lot of trouble saying no yeah no matter what it is and um I think alcohol is like one of the biggest things just like especially in a college setting it's like the thing that kind of comes up the most and so I think people feel very uncomfortable sometimes around someone who is saying no and they feel like am I being judged am I worse than this person yada yada and that's just certainly not the case but I remember I actually went through it was a short period, but a period in the beginning of college where I wasn't drinking because it wasn't going too hot for me at the beginning. And I felt so deeply uncomfortable because I just felt like I can't have fun. I can't do the things that other people are doing. Like there's no place for me here. And I think that's really unfortunate because that's just not true. Like 
you shouldn't have to drink to fit in. And I think that's very much a motivator for people drinking, mm-hmm. especially at the beginning. I, it was for me, for sure, um, yeah. because I just wanted to be cool or be like other people. And so I would do things for that purpose mainly. And I think once again with age comes a little bit more confidence in what you like what your priorities are and being able to say no and I think for me like I still drink but I think as I've gotten older I feel more confident in knowing you know what my limits are what I want to prioritize um and knowing my own body and knowing like what's going to make me feel good and what isn't um and I think I've also learned a lot from Rebecca in that there's like no shame in not drinking like I think that was always a helpful perspective for me to have and also I think be myself more compassionate towards others who are not drinking like this is why I try especially now as an adult I don't know I might have been I mean, I was an adult in college, but you all know what I'm saying. But like, I don't really push, like, I don't like to push people. I don't like to. Yeah. Like pressure people to have more if they're like, don't want to. Yeah. Or I'll always be the friend that's like, yeah, I'll drink less like with another friend or just like, you know, I'm, I, yeah, I think um, like alcohol can just be so tricky and I, I hate that it's often a choice people make to fit in like I think that's really unfortunate because I think that's where things go wrong for people a lot yeah yeah I feel like it is very hard to say no to things sometimes like 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 you might be a person who wants to drink but like to a point but then you still feel the pressure to like keep going because other people are or because you feel like it looks weird to be like oh no I'm done after like one or two or or whatnot. Um, and I think it can be tricky. And I think it's just tough sometimes that so many social things revolve around drinking. And not to say that none of them should, like, you know, if people want to, like, that's great. And like, there are like fun things like, you know, like tastings and stuff that are more like an activity. But I feel mm-hmm. like I don't know, like a lot of work events are like happy hours or first dates are let's go get drinks or things like that. And I don't know, I feel like that can be fun. But on the other hand, it's kind of like there are also other things that you could do that are kind of fun social activities. Um, So I don't know. Like I know like for my work, like we were like picking um during the pandemic, like some sort of like event for like our women's group to do. And we were doing it virtually. And like one of the options was like, oh, we could all do, you know, like a happy hour where everyone gets their own like cocktail kit and kind of makes it together and then like sits around and chats on the Zoom while like drinking their drink. And, you know, I think one group ended up doing that. But like um, one of the things we did, we ended up doing a chocolate tasting. Like we got all these chocolates from like a cool chocolate shop. (laughs) And we learned all about like – how they made the chocolates and then we got to taste them and then discuss them. And I was like, this is really fun. Like I feel like it was just a social and like people still like would come to the Zoom. Like some people had like glasses of wine or whatever while they did it, but it wasn't like the whole event, you know, it was like we were also tasting chocolate, (laughs) which was fun. Totally. I think there's also a tricky line, like conversation with people where 
it's like you either drink or you're sober because you're an alcoholic. Yeah. And it's like one or the other. And I think, you know, Rebecca and I are not in a place to speak about alcoholism or like sobriety in, in that sense in any way. And so I, I don't want to speak to that. But I think it's unfortunate that we don't allow like kind of just as a society a little bit more space for those mm-hmm. who aren't drinking for other reasons. Because I think a lot of the reason you got so much pushback from people was it's like, oh, well, you're not an alcoholic. So like you can drink. Right. It was like, people like, like, oh, you don't have like a problem. You're just like, you're just yeah. not doing it. And it's like, well, <laughs> why is it like one or the other? And also it's like, what if right. I did have a problem? Right. It's also like, why we, Why do we think it's okay to like inquire that much into a person's decision about if they're just going to drink alcohol or not? Like I don't think right. you need to like – I don't think you're entitled to people's backstory as to why they're just making a choice for themselves that feels healthy for them. Like it doesn't impact anybody else, but for some reason I feel like people take it kind of personally again because totally. I think it's like maybe a judgment fear or something. But I feel like, you know, I'm not – sober because I have to be necessarily. But if I were, I feel like it's also weird that people feel the need to like ask about that, you know? Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think luckily, I mean, it's, sometimes it's also one of those things that kind of like weeds out the people that aren't really meant for you, <laughs> like yeah. accidentally, but it, it sometimes works out where it's just like, if you have a friend or like back when you were dating, if there's like people who really have a problem with you not drinking, like clearly they're not for you um, because that's weird. But <laughs> um, I think it's just, yeah, it's unfortunate. And I think it definitely led to me doing like, certain things in in high school and college where I just felt like I want to be like everyone else so I need to drink and I need to you know I thought there was like a pride with being able to drink more than everyone else or be able to take shots or whatever it is so I think that's unfortunate because I mean I think it it was fine like things worked out the way that they were going to work out but I think it's unfortunate that it has to be that path for a lot of people I think I actually felt a little bit more confident when I went abroad, which is weird. I don't know what it was specifically. But it was just like the different way people drank in a different country that made me feel like a little bit more confident or making new friends and, and learning about other people. But I think that helped too. I think also when I was abroad, I really felt like, oh, I'm really on my own here. And it was like, I am the only one who's going to take care of me. So I want to make sure that I'm yeah, aware like, that I never mm-hmm. – I'm not saying that I didn't, you know, go out and drink a lot, but I always felt like I can take care of myself. I can get myself home. I'm not putting myself in danger. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. that's something the that's very – stakes felt like a little higher. Yeah. And I would say to this day is something that's very, very important to me. It's just feeling safe on my own. Um, because it's just like scary world out there. So I think that's something I feel pretty passionate about. Yeah. And like you were saying before about like, um, it kind of like weeding out the people who are like, maybe not right or whatever. I just remember like when I met Mike, like I was wondering like, oh, is he going to think it's weird, you know, that I like don't drink or whatever. And I think it like, it just came up once while we were out and I was like, oh, I don't drink. And he was just like, oh, okay. And like, I don't remember him having a lot of like follow up about it. Like, I feel like I maybe just like ended up like explaining to him why I don't drink, but he just was never like, 
he never did like what a lot of people have done, which is like, oh, we'll try this. Or, oh, yeah. what, have you tried this though? And like, well, what about this? Like, and just. Have you tried just like drinking it and like holding your nose so you don't have to taste <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> yeah. Or just like, yeah. And like, he just, he didn't make it a big thing and didn't think it was weird. And he didn't feel then weird about him drinking. Like, he just, you know, does what he wants to do and I do what I want to do. And, he didn't try to change what I do and he didn't worry that I was trying to change what he was doing. And he also like was really like clear and kind about it when like I started meeting his friends to be like, oh, Rebecca doesn't drink when they would like, you know, offer to get me something or be like, oh, you don't have a drink. And he'd be like, oh, Rebecca doesn't drink. And, you know, sometimes they'd be like, oh, really? Like, oh, why not? Or whatever. And, you know, I'd answer or whatever. But like he just he clearly wasn't phased by it. And mm-hmm. I really appreciated that it never made me feel weird or strange or like he had an issue with it. Um, and, you know, I yeah. think a, a lot of people don't, but some people do. And I just appreciated that he never really cared. Yeah. I think it's just like sometimes it makes me feel for people that like maybe want to stop mm-hmm. drinking and they feel like they can't or – um they just like don't because they're afraid of the things that they could miss out on or, or something like that. Yeah. And I think that that's really tough. And I, I've been there like in certain situations where I just am not really in the mood or I'm not feeling well or whatever. There's a million reasons why you wouldn't want to drink um, and feeling very much on the outside. Like I think that can be a tough spot to be in. Um, but I think I think I've learned a lot from you. I learned a lot from Jack because he's really not a big drinker as well. Just really feeling confident in your own reasons because I think mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like people, it's like not even just with drinking; it's with any just like decisive like choice not, you make. Like yeah, in the mainstream or like not what is the social norm? Yeah, yeah. People are going to question it because it makes them uncomfortable because it yep. makes them question themselves, and you just have to like stay very true to why you're not doing it like and for Mm -hmm. you with drinking it's very much like I mean you have a very long list but it's just like that's just not something that you are into and doesn't make you feel good never has never going to like just not for you and I think luckily you've had over 10 years of this now where you've like (laughs) been able to like work that muscle kind of to to train yourself to like maybe not even think about it too much anymore Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but I think it's like something you have to really work up to. I think I feel more confident about it now, just like knowing you and and being with Jack, just knowing like there's absolutely no reason to do something I don't want right. to do. Right. Yeah. And I think part of it is like H2. Like I just remember in the past being like, oh, no, thank you. Or like, oh, no, I don't drink or whatever. I like I almost felt the need to apologize. Like I felt like I had yeah. to apologize in conjunction with like saying I didn't want to drink. And now I just like I don't feel that at all. I you know, I don't I don't feel bad about it. I don't feel shame about it. I'm just like, oh no, I'm all set. Thanks so much. Or, you know, oh, I, I actually don't drink, but thank thank you. And I I just don't feel bad about it. And I don't feel this weird like need to over explain my decision. Um, which I think just came over time. But it's hard to not feel the need to like justify your choice sometimes if it yeah, if it feels not the social norm totally and I think like for myself 
too. Like there were so many instances in which I was drinking because I was feeling anxious about the social social situation. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, I would actually feel more anxious because I was like, oh, did me drinking a lot make yeah. me act even weirder? And once again, this is not me trying to convince anyone to drink less or not drink. But I just think it's interesting that like that was a lot of my purpose for drinking was to ease tension in myself. Like I also have anxiety, but it's kind of different from Rebecca's. So for me, it was like, oh, if I drink, it'll help my anxiety because it will make me feel a little bit more loose, honestly, like in terms of like my own tension. And then after the fact, I actually feel more anxious than I did before because I'm like, oh, you're like worried about what you said or how you said it or yeah. I feel like there's a real thing. Obviously, I don't know too much from my own experience, but from friends and stuff that a lot of people have anxiety after a day of drinking or after a night of drinking to be like, what did I do during the time I was drinking? And like, not necessarily that you're like have blacked out. Although I do know people who have had a lot of like anxiety about like what a blackout version of them did, but just like, Mm -hmm. how did I come across? Did I come across as drunk to people? Like, how did I, how did that interaction go? Or like overanalyzing it because you were a little bit less inhibited. And I feel like that's got to be stressful to be like totally. trying to make yourself like less anxious, but then like worrying after the fact about everything you did. I felt it today. I was like wine tasting and I was like being really clumsy today. And it wasn't because I was drinking too much, but I was like, I actually spilled my drink. I like tripped over my shoe and I was like, oh my God, like just stressful. Like people are going to think that I'm drunk. Like I'm just like having one of those days, you know? Um, and luckily Jack is wonderful and he was like she's not drunk she tripped on her shoe out the door this morning um (laughs) but it's just yeah I think there's like a lot that can come up around it and um I think you just have to know what your motivations are going into it and like what things are going to cause more stress for you in the future like I know for me I don't like feeling like uninhibited (laughs) and I don't um I also don't like feeling like I'm gonna question my decisions that I'm making while drinking tomorrow and I've definitely been there before so this is absolutely no judgment at all to those who do that but I think I just know that I don't like that so but I do know that I like certain alcohols how they taste I like sometimes it is also nice like feeling a little less like tension, like having a drink and just feeling like a little calmer. Like that is mm-hmm. totally a thing. I like how that feels. Um, but just like knowing where that ends and more stress begins for me. And that has come with a lot of time because it did not happen when I first started drinking yeah. at all. <laughs> so I think to sort of um, wrap it up, I thought I, you know, since I've talked through some of the like challenges that I've come across while um, deciding not to drink or in social situations, I thought, I'd also say some of the like pros or benefits, and this is in no way um, a push for anyone to be sober or stop drinking. Like everyone should just do them, do whatever makes you feel good. Yeah. Um, but, but if you are interested or, or yeah, like this is something you want to do or you are doing and you feel like you don't have an ally, you've got Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and so I guess some of the like, the benefits I've had are I feel like I have probably more energy, um, 
like in the morning at versus somebody who maybe has been drinking the night before. Um, it's yeah. nice. I am never hungover, so I can still get tired. I can still be cranky, but I wake up and I feel sort of, you know, the same as I would any other day, um, which is nice. I'm always good to drive, which is both a pro Love and it. a con because sometimes <laughs> I'm always designated driver. Um, but it's good because it means, you know, like if if I ever want to go out somewhere at night, like I don't necessarily have to worry about can I get an Uber? How mm-hmm. am I getting back? I don't have to pay for it. I just drive myself because I'm good to go. Um, it does save me money. I save a lot of money that I'm not spending on drinks. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot cheaper to get a water or a soda when you go out versus drinks. So that's good. I guess. Um, And then one other one is not necessarily a benefit for me, but a benefit for my friends is that when I used to go out and a guy would be like, oh, can I get you a drink or just like would give me a drink? I would just hand it over to my friends. So they got free drinks. That's (laughs) incredible. A wing woman right there. (laughs) They just get some other people free drinks. Um, So that's good for them. And I, you know, enjoy making them feel nice. So (laughs) we love that. So yeah, those are just our experiences. I mean, very different but I will say one thing that's very cool at least in my eyes is Rebecca and I have truly never had an issue in which we're like what do we do with our time together because I drink and you don't or like (laughs) like not knowing what activities to do or like it being weird at all I don't know at least maybe if anything like when I was a freshman in college but like there's never been an like an issue on that you know like there's so many activities to do or like we go out to dinner and I get a drink and she does it you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. it's just never really been an issue and I think that's really nice yeah I super appreciate that that like people who don't make it an issue that I'm not drinking or feel like oh we can't go do things now because like I'm not participating in that I feel like there's just so many things to do where it's fine to have people who are drinking and not drinking yeah, I mean, Rebecca and I have even talked about that. Like, if she ever comes out and we want to go, like, wine tasting with people, we'll, like, get a charcuterie board. So Rebecca yeah. can also have, like, a I'm snack. here for the snacks. <laughs> no, like, there's just – there's almost always a solution or, like, an alternative. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, and so I think – yeah, I think we can make it easier than maybe it, it has been made for a lot of folks before. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, thank you all so much for listening to today's episode on our relationship with alcohol. Um, If you have any ideas for future episodes or if you want to talk to us about not drinking, drinking, anything related to today's episode, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, You can reach us uh, at SisterlyPod on Instagram. Um, We love to connect with you. And thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week. 